Howdy, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Narrative Dissonance on Unsafe Space. Uh, I don't know what that was all about. Maybe it was just a... Uh... An error on my end, but the intro looked a little bit weird. Anyway, welcome everyone. Today is Monday, what, April 11th, 2022. I'm Carter. You're watching Narrative Dissonance, which is a show here on Unsafe Space where we bring in people from outside the mainstream media to talk about maybe maybe what the mainstream isn't talking about or maybe about what they're misleading us on. Um, you can always watch us at unsafespace.com where we do embed our live stream. Even when YouTube censors us, we do have, we just, Keep it up at, uh, at unsafespace.com. We're also on Utreon, Odyssey, Rumble. And maybe I'm forgetting somewhere else. You can follow us on Twitter at underscore unsafespace. And the best way to uh, support the show is just go to unsafespace.com. You can subscribe, buy merch, whatever. Um, so welcome, everyone. Oh, one last reminder, book club. Uh, the next book club has been moved. Uh, thankfully, because it's a long book. It was moved to May 1st. It's the Gulag Archipelago by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. So you've got until May 1st to read that. <clears throat> All right. Without further ado, why don't we bring on bring on the panel. Our first panelist today is Joseph Camp. Joe is the founder, owner, and face of Your Daddy Joey, which is a user-generated social media slash news reporting slash research providing organization for those who are curious and concerned about far-left influence in the United States, uh, you can find him on Gab at JoeyCamp2020. And uh, you can find a directory of all his stuff at yourdaddyjoey.news. And it looks like www.joey.camp, which I'm learning for the first time. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me on, Carter. Uh and also, we're returning, uh, returning panelist Juliet Truthseeker. You may know her from her work on Gab, where she exposes what Yuri Bezmenov called ideological subversion in the West, or you may know her from her frequent appearances on the Independence Gang podcast or from this show, where she's been in the past. You can follow her at Truthseeker8487. Juliet, welcome. Hello. It's good to be back. It's good yeah, to have nice you both. To <laughs> nice to see you, too. <laughs> so uh, let's kick it off, I guess, um, with... Uh, Let's, Julia. I don't think you got to kick it off last time, so let's let's put you on the spotlight. And since Joey is his first time, we'll we'll let him ease into it. Um, Julia, what is the most important story about which the mainstream media has misled us in the last week? Oh gosh, it's this is like the hardest question for me to answer because every time it's like, well, everything, you know. Uh, um, but this week, I'm just gonna go with the outrage over the right calling the left groomers. Um, they're trying to act like their behavior is not grooming when it absolutely fits what groomers do do to children. Um, and I saw a good article. Actually, it was a good quote in an article, <laughs> the Washington Post. But this woman was saying that they're desensitizing children and normalizing behaviors at a very young age, which you know, statistically puts them at risk of risky behaviors way earlier than normal. So I feel like it's it's one of those things that I think a lot of people are hearing about, but they might not be looking into and understanding what's going on here. And of course, you know, the media is running with their narrative that we're all just crazy <laughs> using this weird <laughs> word against them. But I think it's important to understand why we're saying that why we're calling them groomers because they are yeah joey have you been following this 
Um, a little bit. Uh, I've been deep into another world, but um, there was a quote a while back uh, that uh, conspiracy theories are just spoiler alerts. And what we're seeing now and what Juliet and I, you know, we dig into so early before it becomes actually really well known in the public. Uh, we get, you know, these uh, names that are called conspiracy theorists and stuff like that. And then later it becomes fact uh well it's always fact but later it becomes known to be fact and we have to deal with that but yes it's uh disney from disney world to hunter biden to the all of these individuals who are just so coincidentally all on the left just time after time just grooming children and the the left are just defending this conduct time and time again it's beyond ridiculous what do you think the motivation is behind this? Because maybe I'm stupid and naive, but I find it hard to believe that there are actually that many people that support grooming. So um, it's got to be – there's got to be some kind of pressure that people feel to push back on this even though if they really understood it for what it was, they would not push back on this. Yeah, Um you know, I think part of it is just this, it's kind of like a societal thing where people think the reason there's this sudden wave of people coming out as LGBT, whatever, um, is because society was holding everybody down for so long. They were oppressing them. They couldn't be free to be themselves. So now they're, they're I think they think they're doing a good thing by swinging it, the pendulum the other direction and kind of overemphasizing it early so that, you know, people won't be tied down by expectations or something. Um, and I think it's also there's social credit in being supportive of these certain, you know, issues where it's like oh well look how great i am as a parent like my child is aware of everything and they have no biases against it i i would go oh sorry i would go please, a step further Joey, yeah. um yeah the individuals that are coming out as uh these uh groomers and these individuals who have engaged in this conduct that is really despicable and disgusting They've been defended by their supporters or their fans for so long without their supporters or fans maybe knowing of this conduct off camera, so to speak. And so when they come out and they, uh, they're exposed for this conduct, their supporters are like in a position to say, I want to believe this person or I have to defend this person because I was so vile and disgusting against the individuals on the right that... I have no choice now but to defend this uh, this conduct and then hope that down the road uh, through courts or political pressures, the the situation would you know, eventually fade from the public uh, spotlight and they can go back to maybe even not liking the person, but at least they can save some face and not uh, be not lose that argument or whatever that they had three years before the situation came out. So it's like a tribal, like they're, I've chosen this tribe already and I'm going to defend them 
-hmm. regardless of what accusations or even what truth is being uncovered. And then maybe if I feel uncomfortable about it later, I'll quietly (laughs) leave the tribe or modify things or right. That's, uh, that's interesting. I mean, let's just, let's just pause on what we're talking about. The behavior that we're talking about. Right. Um, I, cause what's, what's being, what they're saying is that, or at least the accusations that I've heard are things like, well, you don't want us to, you want to erase the existence of LGBTQ plus people by not allowing us to have discussions about sex with kindergartners. Like, well, let me rephrase that. Not allowing, allowing to have discussions with kindergartners about sex. Um, and <laughs> it's, they've conflated this kind of um, acceptance of 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 their personhood somehow like oh this is the person i am or this is the person i want to be i'm let's say trans or whatever it is and if you don't let me talk about that aspect of my life with children for whom that is an inappropriate discussion like no one is saying you can't mention that you don't have a gay uncle like that's what the saturday night live when they talked about the florida bill that was the 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 shtick on saturday night live was like oh you can't even mention that you have a gay uncle, right? Which is not at all what the Florida law says meant will do anything. It said you can't have sexual instruction. And for some reason, I there's so many people that are willing to not look at what's being actually done and said, but they're, they would rather listen to the false representation of what's being done. So they So you have activists come out and say they're trying to erase the existence and uh, of of us and they're trying to not let children know anything about us and they're trying to uh invalidate who we are when really all that's being done is like please don't talk about sex with our kindergartners um and people don't even want to look in they no one they don't even read the bill or they don't even look into you know any of the things that have been going on with disney no one seems to pay attention or care I don't know where that was going. It's, it's uh, frustrating. It, that's exactly it. It's a slow progression or a slow morphosis from uh, let's support the LGBTQ community. I don't know if I got the acronym correct. Um, you but can never a, get the acronym correct, Joey. It's, it's bro, never changing. Never. <laughs> I just want to call it the LMNLP community. Um, sure. But you know, it's a slow progression from supporting a, that cause. Okay, like you support the equal rights of individuals that have a sexual orientation. I get that, and that's absolutely okay. But it's a slow morphosis that rapidly expands in, in speed and progress to now we have to instruct kindergartners uh, with sexual ed and that sort of thing. And people get worked up and wound up into that uh that progression and it's like almost a mob mentality um where it starts off a little snowball and it grows into a huge boulder of snow that's just destructing everything in its path what do you think the end game is here on this issue i honestly i don't know that there is an end game i think that it's just it's a snowball that is uh moving so fast that it's just at this point uh destructive and just moving on its own accord. Yeah. You guys think normies will wake up and, and say, wait a minute, this is too much. I have children. I don't 
This is too much. Well, that's one point I, I wonder about. I want to know not like general public polls. I want to know parents. Like, what do parents feel about this? I don't care what a 23-year-old thinks. I want to know what people that are actually raising children and, you know, know what a five-year-old is capable of. What do they think? Um, but what is the end game? I don't know. It's kind of like, I, I, I think it'll cause a rift between generations. Um, Cause they're, they're indoctrinating children into this world that they're, parents wouldn't like understand and would disagree with certain aspects of which causes resentment from you know child to parent and i just i think it in historically when societies get really liberal like this with um you know sexual stuff they tend to go downhill pretty quick well and you end up sometimes you get a a, uh, a backlash which is the other direction right which mm -hmm. is what you know if you look at I know there was a lot of contributing factors to the rise of of Hitler in, in Nazi Germany, but the Weimar Republic <clears throat> did get into this kind of completely degenerate state. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the arguments was, well, we need a strong man to come in and clean up this muck. And I think one of the things I do get concerned about is I, I don't think this thing's sustainable. Like, I, I think it let's say you indoctrinate a generation of kids like this. I mean, we're already seeing massive personality disorders become rampant in the population and to an extent one that I'm just kind of noticing and learning, but uh, especially, you know, you look the Gen Z kind of people would have pronouns, not just pronouns in their bio, but disorders in their bio that they are proud about. Like, so we already have that and they weren't subject to this. Can you imagine what the the, the five year old now who's dealing with the ginger uh, what is it called gingerbread man and like learning about uh, all this stuff at, when they're in kindergarten what they're going to grow up to be like so I don't think that's sustainable I don't think society can sustain so it either falls apart or someone else comes along from the other side and says and sweeps it all aside and mm -hmm. and I think it's a it's a disservice to you know, there was a lot of gay and lesbian activists in the 80s, we'll say, and that time with that were kind of convincing everyone, look, we are just like everyone else. We don't want to indoctrinate your kids. We just want to be left alone. We like just let us live our lives. And they've been grouped uh, much. I mean, I think many of them oppose this grouping, but they've been grouped together with mm -hmm. this kind of radical activism. And, you know, it's certainly possible that the person that is that that people turn to to sweep away the radical activism also sweeps away everything and just reverts things back to um, a much more puritanical, uh, you know, less classically liberal world. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Joey, what do you think the most important story that the mainstream media has been misleading people about this week? So I've been uh, following the some of the J6 defendants in their trials, and uh, most recently, um, a really good case uh, was a bench trial of Matthew Martin, who was acquitted of all of his charges by the judge uh, related to entering the Capitol on January 6th, as well as related to other events that took place on the inside of the Capitol. Um, I had a different answer in mind, but then this case came up, uh, story came up, and I'm 
absolutely uh, optimistic for other J6 defendants uh, regarding his de uh, this decision in Matthew's case because um, the fact the fact pattern is there from the very beginning. The judge acknowledges that the police had waved uh, a certain group of individuals into the Capitol, um, therefore removing intent and removing the uh, the restriction of prohibition or of entering the Capitol uh, ground. So I'm very much uh, following this story, but the mainstream media has been, instead of uh, attacking the facts of the story, they're attacking the judge and um, they, you know, the, the, it's a personal attack now on the decision makers in the in this case, which is really appalling, um, because it's the case that will ultimately help uh, other individuals who are there for peaceful reasons. Uh, Matthew had no intent of committing any crime. He did not get uh, charged with committing any crime inside of the Capitol while he was there. His sole purpose was to protest what he believed was inequities uh, and injustices that were happening at the time. Sorry, Carter's uh, <laughs> power outage. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so he's trying to get back on, but that was a bad timing. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Um, um, but yeah, so the, the evidence relied upon in that case uh, was video uh, showing the individual being waved into the Capitol building along with a large group of other individuals, uh, some of whom have also been charged. The decision that he made was to go to a bench trial and have the court himself uh, make the decision as opposed to um, uh, he, he had the court make the decision as opposed to the decision of going to a jury trial, which was a uh, Risky decision in many cases, but in this particular case, it worked out well. Um, but because the narrative of the media for the last year and some change has been J6 protesters, bad people, we got to lock them all up, despite the fact that the majority are very minor offenses like trespassing or parading inside the Capitol. Um, but certainly far less conduct than BLM or Antifa events nationwide. So... I'm hopeful that other defendants can also use the same uh, evidence pattern, the same conduct of the law enforcement that was present that day that waved them into the building and be able to at least get some of these uh, these charges also acquitted. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's actually, I, I saw that story and I was like, wow, that's huge um, to have a judge finally be reasonable and it sets a precedent you're right for everybody else as well as i would assume it'll help people if they try to appeal correct down the road um and i mean that guy was really smart for going to a bench trial that was that was a, a risky but i mean it paid off and i really do hope that we get to see a lot of these people just you know, this happened to them. Like, they, there's so many charges against people that are just ridiculous right now. So, I no, mean, no. I'm praying for them. So what's a bench trial? Because I'm, I'm not really familiar with how the different trials and stuff work. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the there's a jury trial, which is a jury of your peers, you know, between six and thirteen or sixteen people, depending on the style of the case. Um, but a, the alternate to a jury trial in every jurisdiction in this country is a bench trial in which the sole deciding individual is the judge himself or okay. herself. That was the name of it. Is okay. Yeah. So in this case, the uh, the trial is presented to the judge, which means that there is more leeway with regard to how evidence is presented. They don't have to worry about certain evidence that is too biased or unbiased. Uh, they don't have to worry about all of that because of the perception of the jury is they have to be neutral, right? The, the evidence has to fit the fact pattern, but the perception of the judge is that the judge can weed out the bad from the good and make a decision based on everything. So the prosecutions are allowed to come in with the most ridiculously extreme theories, and so are the defense, and the judge is expected to make a ruling that is just and proper um, based on his experience and his title. And it's risky because if the judge is going to be like biased or something, though, then you just you never know. That's what I always Correct. I always think about like I would hate to be on trial with a jury of my peers because I think most of my peers are idiots, but then I worry <laughs> like, oh, the judge is corrupt though. Because like with, with juries, they always seem to, uh, I don't know, they don't get the like beyond a shadow of a doubt and, and that kind right. of thing. I'm really big into wrongful convictions stuff though too. Cause like I, I something that really gets to me, mm -hmm. um, but yeah so but it's just like that that toss-up of like well do i want to trust normal people or a judge that could possibly be like terrible right <laughs> you know, be like intentionally bad about it right yeah i mean it's it is i, I can't imagine having to make that decision because if you could trust the judge to be you know an actual judge and really base it just on law that sounds like the better option to me because i agree i mean juries tend to like they don't come across as extremely smart people i think they might just get confused throughout the trial with the different narratives going on but um but they definitely over and over again they don't understand the concept of like it's supposed to be like you have no doubt that this person committed the crime not that it's likely mm -hmm. that they did right right Exactly. It's so frustrating, honestly. It gets me riled up too. I'm like, uh Yes. Sorry, we can go on a whole tangent about about all that, but like I I mean, oh, so yeah. I'm really glad that you're you're, you know, taking on the whole J six stuff too, because like obviously there's so much wrong with everything that happened. So I think that's at least Correct. And, you know, and I try to I I wanna personally remain neutral in the uh in my uh, research into these individuals because there are certainly, I won't name their names, but there are certainly individuals who are on camera committing crime inside of the uh, Capitol building. The individual that stole the podium probably should not have stole the podium <laughs> and there's a necessary <laughs> crime that is attached to that. Um, Maybe you know, just got and, it from a gift I mean, I love the eBay that uh, he put it up on. It was, uh, it was a phenomenal <laughs> troll. I mean, I might have done it. I might have done it for thirty days in jail. Amazing. Just, um, <laughs> you know, but there, there are, there were criminal conduct, and as minor as it might have been, uh, and you know, people have to accept responsibility for that conduct. But there was a vast majority of individuals who walked into that building, welcomed by the law enforcement. 
at least perceived to be welcomed by law enforcement in their own uh, moment of time that they were there. And they did nothing but walk around, take some pictures, some selfies, laugh a little, and it looked like a good time. There was nothing that burned down. There was nobody that uh, that was just ruthlessly like killing each other. There's a lot of question about the only person who was murdered, in my opinion, was the Ashley Babbitt, uh, Ashley Babbitt, and that wasn't a protester the- who who uh who did that um mm-hmm. this is not a blm situation where they take over the building and burn it down like they did the police precinct in uh seattle or minnesota this was a lot of people that just walked around the building um so i'm absolutely uh disgusted by the amount of resources charges that went into the persecution of the political prisoners um and the fact that they're still incarcerated uh, till today for very minor offenses. Um, meanwhile, the, the level of prosecutions on the BLM side out of uh, Oregon, um, we have hundreds of arrests and 74, uh, 73% of them have been dismissed at the federal level. We're talking about arson, assault on federal law enforcement, throwing Molotov cocktails at these individuals. Um, these are very serious violent offenses and, you know, extreme property damage. We're not talking about just taking a podium out of the Nancy Pelosi's office or something and putting it on eBay as a troll or walking around with horns on inside of the Capitol saying prayers in the, in the house floor. The, the destruction caused by the left in conduct that uh, is far worse than a single day in a few hours at the Capitol, um, individuals who committed crime, like I said, you know, they, they have the right to trial and they should be held accountable, uh, mm-hmm. in that regard. But there are so many numerous hundreds of individuals that just did nothing but walk around right. ex- expressing their first amendment. They make such a big deal about it being, you know, it's a government building too. And like, and the people in it as if they're like, well, you know, I get the historical side of it, but it's also like, you're not any more special than like the, the all the, the people the uh, that BLM has has affected you know with all their actual riots and things too though so it's just like I one right. isn't uh, to me I mean I don't like the government so but Carter's back right. so I can drop off <laughs> and, and, and I I was there in Portland when they were attacking the uh, um the federal building in Portland and it, the the Molotov cocktails, the, the fires, the violence, um, the homemade chemical weapons or whatever that they were throwing at the law enforcement uh, inside of the federal building as they would, co- would come out and try to, you know, help somebody that was uh, beat up or somebody that was, you know, inside of the fence area when they shouldn't have been. The federal building was under siege for over a hundred days in Portland and literally almost no charges whatsoever. Uh, It is, uh, it is disgusting that we have a single day's event, two, two or three hours of time, minor damage in property and uh, the almost no violence whatsoever. And the violence that did occur is very questionable as to culpability on whose side um, yep. it's disgusting the the inequity of the the prosecution 
And so I'm very happy that Matthew had been acquitted by a judge that could look at the fact pattern, look at the material, and maintain his level-headed uh, reasonableness and the law and apply the law implicitly and dismiss the charges and acquit him. But his life doesn't change. His life doesn't get better instantly. He's splashed all over the media as an insurrectionist. Those stories are the ones that pop up first when you Google his name, not the stories that say he was acquitted or that he was found not guilty. So first of all, I apologize for that. Uh, I live in the People's Republic of California. It's like the end of Atlas Shrugged once in a while. The power just goes out completely. So, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we, we're, we're closer to dystopia than most of you. So this is this is what that looks like. Um, it's coming to a city near you. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm sorry if you already said this. What was he? What, what was he? I don't know the story. What was he um, uh, accused of? Yeah, so his, uh, all of his offenses were actually misdemeanor offenses, trespassing, uh, parading inside the Capitol, and entering the Capitol without permission. Um, or, was he the guy it, that was in jail for like two years already? Oh, no. This individual had uh, had already been uh, bonded out under a certainty okay. of $150,000 or something. The family had to pretty much put up the farm uh, to get this man out of custody for misdemeanor offenses in which he was acquitted so he's innocent of wow i don't want to go over territory you guys have been on over already while i was gone but i mean one of the things that i think this is normal people see this and they see i heard you talking about the antifa or blm stuff normal people see the difference between uh the how the I'll say the government really broadly, but I mean both local and federal governments, law enforcement generally, including the FBI and local law enforcement agencies, they, they see how differently violence is treated based on who it's coming from and the purpose of it. Um, and I don't, I don't know how that doesn't wake people. I mean, I know some people just don't want to see it, but it's a big eye opener. It should wake people up. I heard you talking about Portland. I mean, you know, here in the Bay Area in California, stuff burned, buildings burned, people beaten. Um, it's it's so bad in most of the Bay Area that you need to put a Black Lives Matter sign in your window if you're a business, because if you don't, your business will be absolutely destroyed. Um, so even no matter what you believe, you have to signal that you're on their side. And even then, you might still get your business destroyed. If you're a Starbucks or whatever, there's no <laughs> stopping. Them, right. Um, so. Yeah, I, I, I hear you and I. And it, and something me, that, are you guys conservative? Do you guys both consider yourself on the right or conservative or what's your. Yeah, I used to be I used to think I was independent, but I think like as we all know, the spectrum like slid underneath everybody's feet. So now I'm further right than I thought I was. Now you're a Nazi, <laughs> right? I understand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. We're all over that. We're all Nazis at this point. Um, <laughs> uh I, I would say that I'm uh I'm center right. Uh I try to really push myself to listen hard to whichever side of the conversation is talking to me at the moment. And I, and I want to use my, you know, uh, art of, of deduction and the art of logic to 
uh, discern what's being said to me, look at the facts, research the facts and get primary sourced information, and then make a decision that sometimes is against what I would consider to be my political beliefs. But I'm, I'm a more, I want to get to the truth more than I want to get to a political position. That's what makes you on the far right now, though, because anyone who is more interested in getting to the truth um, necessarily means they're not interested in pushing whatever narrative is being pushed. And that makes you an enemy and enemies are called Nazis. So I mean, yeah. that's that's the world that we that we live in now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, do you so I, I guess the reason I was asking about your political affiliation, both of you, is one thing that's frustrated me with um I'll just say a lot of the con- conservative, like traditionally conservative uh, demographic is, you know, they when when the FBI is misbehaving with respect to Trump, um, they get it, right? Um, but the moment, and maybe some of them get it with the January sixth stuff, but. That's where their distrust of the police and three-letter agencies seems to end. Um, and the moment that you kind of say, hey, you know, maybe there's a systemic big – I'm going to use the leftist word. Maybe there's a systemic problem in the FBI and in three-letter agencies. Maybe they should be – we should wipe the slate clean and start over. Uh, or maybe we should do something really serious with these agencies because they are not to be trusted. Um a lot of conservatives are like, nope, they, you know, they, well, you know, they're, they still love the idea of the FBI and they they conflate it with uh, movies about the FBI or fiction about the FBI and their love of, you know, they're with each, they conflate it with just patriotism generally. They feel like to be a patriot, they have to be pro government agent. Um, and those two things don't make sense to me. Uh, to me, a patriot is someone who holds the government agencies accountable and when they misbehave they're the first ones to point that out yeah i don't know where i'm going with that either but (laughs) no uh i i'm on the same page as you i think that uh most of our government agencies um and uh organizations i think they all need to be rethought i mean we're using uh ancient 250s or whatever year old uh, organizational structure, techniques of uh, administration and bureaucracy to conduct our governance in a world that has no boundaries or borders anymore. I can speak to somebody in China, a peppy parody Twitter account can negotiate with the Taliban for the release of prisoners but we are somehow supposed to be beholden to a government organization that has its roots hundreds of years ago that hasn't done any systemic changes um, to their structure. And so I believe that we just need to wash the entire uh, structure of these organizations, maintain the values of the Constitution, but rethink how government organizations should work. Um, living in a 1990s world in the year 2022 just isn't going to cut it. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, a lot of these organizations, I think, I, so there's a couple problems. I think one of them is the government never gets smaller. So if they if they decided they needed to expand to do something for a particular reason, that never goes away. It's not like it's not like it comes into existence, the problem solved, and they go away. Uh, they're bad at solving problems in the first place. But then even if it had been solved, uh, that that arm doesn't go away. And you know when you're talking about a lot of the stuff, I'm immediately thinking of the Cold War. A lot of these organizations that we're talking about. Um, arose to fight the Soviet Union and they were worried about the spread of communism and you can argue that uh, they they did more harm than they than than good in that whole war but but that was the purpose that was the purpose of this um, and you know what happened when the Soviet Soviet Union disintegrated did we disband NATO did we tell the CIA to not worry about it so much anymore and scale back did we did we say oh well you know that that's over no we said well what other hey can we find another enemy? Um, we need another enemy. Um, and of course, you know, along comes 9-11. Now we've got another enemy. This time we were smart enough to say, you know, instead of it being a particular entity to to to, to, to vilify like the Soviet Union, we, we chose a nice abstract term like terrorism, which can mean anything that we want it to whenever we want. And, and we just expanded. And so it seems like, you know, all this stuff, every, every time that there's some kind of, threat alleged threat purported threat or just completely invented threat um we expand into that as a government the government expands into that and then that never goes away and just gets repurposed and now you've got you've got local police with mraps and you know their own hrt teams and swat teams and you know kicking down the doors throwing flashbangs into cribs because someone might have some marijuana like it's it's absolutely ludicrous yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think also part of the problem is like these organizations exist. They're not elected officials, right? They're generally appointed and um, they last through different administrations. And, you know, like especially like with senators and stuff, if a senator starts poking them too much, what they do is they just like bump up the classification of certain things and find ways to like exclude people that are asking too many questions, which we should have some way of preventing that. Right. Like they shouldn't just be able to be like, Oh, well this is need to know. And you don't qualify. Like, you know, we, yeah. they don't have any oversight really. That's the weird thing. I always thought when I was growing up, I always assumed that once you were like a Senator, uh, there was no classification that was above your pay grade, basically. Like, it was like, okay, well, you're ultimately in charge, so you can't hide, like, the NSA can't hide things from senators. Boy, was I naive. Like, absolutely they can. Um, and that's awfully scary. And when people dismiss, uh, dismiss as conspiracy theory terms like the deep state, or the swamp or whatever and the and, and or military industrial complex to use an older term um you know they're really dismissing this out of naivete or intentionally intentional evasion because there absolutely is a government there absolutely is a shadow government not run by the people who are elected and that is these entire bureaucracy who can kind of you know just not share information they can or they can select imagine near the NSA or pick a three-letter agency. Of course, you can get dirt on any senator you want because 
you, thanks to Snowden, we now have proof. Uh, you have your mitt in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if you need an ally on your side, eh, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure a little blackmail or you know, like you can destroy someone's career if you're mm-hmm. if you're the proxy. Look what they tried to do to Trump, and he was outside the system and largely untouchable, and they still did a pretty good job destroying him um, through what we now know. a bunch of trumped up crap but at the time a lot of people just didn't believe it they trusted the fbi Mm -hmm. speaking about the fbi did you guys see the did you or maybe you talked about it while it's gone did you see the whitmer stuff no i have not uh here i will pull this up um so you guys are familiar with the plot the the plot to kidnap Mm -hmm. Oh yes, 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 yes! I have seen this. This is amazing. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> there was four four people were on trial. So so far, there's more coming. This is from the Detroit News. Let's just go through this really quickly. Um, two of them were found not guilty, and two of them were uh, mistrialed. The, the jury couldn't agree. But if we if we just look here, so just just to be clear, the two that were mistrialed, there's a guy named Adam Fox and, and Barry Croft. So let's just read. Jurors acquitted two men Friday accused of plotting to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer and deadlocked on charges against two alleged ringleaders. So this was Adam Fox and Barry Croft were the alleged ringleaders, delivering a staggering blow to the government on one of the largest domestic terrorism cases in recent U.S. history. Um, so the two who were uh, acquitted were um, Daniel Harris and Brandon Castera, these guys were uh, they they were in jail for two years, but they've been acquitted. Um, and the interesting thing about this is, well, there's a couple interesting things. One of them is that these guys. I got another. Actually, let me pull up another story that I'll show you because this story is better. I probably should have pulled up this other story first. Hold on for a second. Because it because it goes into some of the accusations here. Um, okay, so <laughs> first of all, the defense lawyer is saying things like, "We don't make terrorists so we can arrest them," right? There's the contention here is that the FBI created this. The FBI called the master mind dude. They called him internally Bonehead, which is an <laughs> interesting nickname for uh, the mastermind. And listen to this. Given the defendant's fondness of alcohol, marijuana, and griping about the government, Blanchard said an FBI agent had his own doubts about the group asking, do these guys even know what's up? <laughs> now, there's another quote. I forget which article is this, this one, but uh, the, according to the defense – the FBI agents and a key informant, Dan Chappell, manipulated and entrapped the four defendants and plied them with marijuana. So basically, these guys, uh, we don't really have to go through there, you know, a couple plea deals, guy was living in his basement. These guys don't seem like they are, let's say, the sharpest knives in the drawer. Um, <laughs> and a lot of them, you know, probably did have a lot of anti-government frustration. I mean, Whitmer was one of the most tyrannical governors during the, during the lockdowns. 
Um, but it appears that the FBI came along. And I don't know if you remember the people involved, but like I, somewhere between 30 and 50% of the people were FBI agents or FBI <laughs> informants during the thing. It was like, maybe it was even more than that. It was some like ridiculous percentage of the people involved in the plot were FBI um, or related to the FBI. And I, I don't know, this is a little bit of a white pill for me that the jury was like, uh, you know what? No, <laughs> we're, we're not gonna, you can't, you can't get people high and like, and get them to agree to do something and then charge them with being the mastermind of a plot. Um, it's, uh, th- but this is an example of, of these agencies going wrong. And by the way, the guy who was in charge is this guy who you may have heard of, um, was it Trask? Was it uh, was it Richard Trask? Was that the FBI FBI agent's name? Who was the guy who was arrested for beating his wife after his mm-hmm. party, um, and, oh, yeah. and pulled off the case? That's the guy leading that who was leading this. So you've got um, these examples of just egregious behavior uh, on the part of these three letter agencies. You had a similar thing way back in 1993, the World Trade Center bombing in '93. Um, we now know the FBI knew it was going to happen <laughs> and just did nothing. In fact, the guy that was working with them was like, you sure you want me to make like the real bomb? Shouldn't we make a fake one? Nope. Nope. Go ahead and give them the real <laughs> stuff. I mean, it is in a world where we're worried about Putin. Um, I just, I look at this and I think, why are we, what about Washington DC? Why, why are we putting up with this? Yeah, no, it's scary because for those of us who seek, uh, you know, to to dig further and to dig deeper and find the truth of what's not being told, and we dig into and we learn about a FBI agent, you know, we then have to fear, are they going to target us for speaking truth? Are they going to use these same tactics, entrapment and other tools to come after us just merely because we desire to find the truth, either for our own personal knowledge or for the knowledge of individuals who come to us to, to learn some more. Um, it's, a, it's a consistent fear with each of these type of, uh, of cases that come to light. Is my next door neighbor a federal agent trying to entrap me now? Um, and so it's, it's sad that, uh, you know, the people will be like, oh, that's paranoia. But in the world we live in, these individuals obviously were not being paranoid if they believed that they could be entrapped or being entrapped. And they just fell so deep into this muddied water of federal agents trying to build a career making case for whatever yeah. reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of that. Was it? It was Ted Cruz that um, asked that woman from the FBI a bunch of questions about January 6th. Mm-hmm. And, you know, her answer was like, oh, I can't answer that. I can't answer that. I don't have an answer for that. But, like, one of the questions was, were there FBI agents involved at, on January right. 6th? And she was like, I can't answer that. Well, then the answer must be yes, because if the answer was no, you would say that. Yeah, And then it's so, you know, now you take the Whitmer plot and you look at January 6th and it's like, okay, well, how many people there could have been agents stoking the crowd, getting people riled up and 
I mean, it's yeah. just it's crazy because I used to buy, like believe the FBI really was the movie version, like the golden standard of law right. enforcement. And they're out here <laughs> tricking, you know, dumb guys smoking weed, tricking them into trying to <laughs> kidnap governors. <laughs> Wild. Yeah. Yeah. And it's. I mean, this is just Governor Whitmer, too. It's not even like a big deal. So if they're doing this, like just they're running around doing this kind of stuff. I would imagine that they had to be involved. They had to be doing something with January 6th. I mean, and it's tough because I also, you also don't, I'm sure there are FBI agents out there doing, trying to do good work. Like there's, you know, there are serial murderers and child kidnappers and horrible people out in the world. And it's the FBI that we traditionally turn to, to help, you know, find those people and bring them to justice. But this calls into question for me, it calls into question almost everything. If I see if I see evidence against someone, if I see someone, you know, brought up on charges uh, and the FBI is involved, like one of my immediate questions is, well, God, do, do I even trust the evidence? Do I trust this narrative at all? Because you've made yourself into an agency that's completely untrustworthy. And if you look at how they handled Trump, it doesn't matter what you think about Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter if you hate him, love him. He was an outsider. They clearly did not want him around, and they did an excellent job of undermining anything he wanted to do and making sure he was gone. And, you know, uh, granted, they didn't do it alone. They did it with media's participation and other people as well. And, you know, uh, but we have a. I I really want patriots to to wake up and understand that. Supporting the idea behind the United States often means opposing the government. Uh, the government is not your friend. They are trying to destroy what this what this country was founded on. That's they they're trying to destroy the essence of what makes this country awesome, uh, and they're doing a good job so far. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's, it's, it goes further, I believe. I don't know that it's a like a, that an entity itself could like metamorphosize itself into a body that can make its own decisions. It's the individuals that are uh, within that entity that have their own personal agendas and their own personal conduct. Um, it's no secret. In 2009, I was arrested by the FBI for changing my grades at the university that I was attending. They spent a half a million dollars in three years in prosecution because I changed my grades and happened to get a little bit better grades. It was complete waste of resources, complete waste of time. But the, what I noticed during the, that uh, prosecution was that they stopped at nothing because of the headlines that I was receiving every time I would go to court. And they didn't, uh, they just felt that their, the individuals felt that their egos were more important than the facts and the circumstances of the case, regardless of the uh, the individual being welcomed into the January 6th, uh, into the Capitol on January 6th by the police, it didn't matter to the prosecutors. They wanted to go all the way. It didn't matter to uh, Prosecutor Binger in the Kyle Rittenhouse case that there was a substantial amount of evidence that showed that Mr. Rittenhouse was innocent of the conduct that he was charged and he acted in self-defense. It was an ego thing that these individuals uh, that willed this power with absolute uh 
prejudice because at some point in time they felt their ego was hurt and uh, and they needed to try to regain some of that uh, emotion or whatever that they felt that they were offended by. It's sad that yeah. uh, that that's where we live uh, in in this world where these organizations can take somebody and put them in two years in prison for having fabricated an entire storyline in real life of meeting the individuals, getting them high, convincing them that they want to be engaged in domestic terrorism against governor and going then to the trial in which they were acquitted. It's a needless waste of resources, which you, myself, and other individuals have to bear the burden of the expenses. And there's no consequence whatsoever for the agent that, uh, that put together this master scheme to entrap individuals. There's no uh, responsibility for Ashley Babbitt or other individuals who let these uh, let the protesters into the Capitol. If it was wrong for them to be there, the law enforcement who waved them in may should be responsible. And there's so much injustice um, when it's tar- and and it's targeted primarily toward the right. Injustice toward the left is. They get arrested and they have to spend more than one night in jail before they can get bailed out. And then the charges quietly go away three, four, five months later, even if the same night they get bailed out and they're rearrested on another charge, which we've seen time and time again. Uh, in the Denver shooting of Matthew, uh, of uh, Mr. Lee Keltner, the individual uh, Matthew Doloff, unlicensed security, not licensed to have concealed uh, acting illegally in the fashion of security and acting aggressively toward Mr. Lee Coulter, shoots, murders the guy, initially gets charged with first-degree murder, reduced at the indictment level to second-degree murder, and then quietly gets dismissed eight months later, and he can go about his life. Bailed out of jail. Meanwhile, where we anybody on the conservative side would walking through the Capitol building, having been waved through, spends three years in, or two years in, uh, incarcerated, away from their families, away from their ability to generate income, and all they merely did was scream and take selfies inside of a Capitol building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was someone in chat earlier said, uh, "It's the process is the punishment." Um, yes. and, and I think that's, that's absolutely true, especially when you've got, uh, I, I, so I like the point that you're bringing up, Joey, that this is not a, this doesn't have to be a top down conspiracy like the FBI or law enforcement. Like this is, these are the things we're going to do. I think it is motivated by individuals and there's a system set up in which there is no, there's no punishment for doing this stuff. In fact, you might get promoted like, Oh, well you, you know, you tried to get those bad guys, but they got off. Sorry. Like, uh, you know, would you like a new, you know, would you like a promotion that you put together, you know, a good sting operation? Uh, So there's no, you don't, you don't get punished. You're not held accountable for anything. Um, And you've got the way that budgets work. And look, a lot of this always comes down to money, right? It, it comes down to money. If you don't spend your budget, you don't get as big of a budget next year. That's how governments work. And so, uh, you know, let's say, let's say that you were an agency focused on 
domestic terrorism. Let's say, or you're part of your agency, domestic terrorism. Let's say there wasn't actually a lot of domestic terrorism. <laughs> well, you better trump up some domestic terrorism. Otherwise, they're going to cut your budget and your buddy here is going to lose your job and you're going to have to be the one to fire him. And you might, you know, you might not get promoted later because, you know, you don't only get promoted if your department grows. I mean, these are the incentives that get set up. Um, and I don't know that there's a way out of this so long as those are the incentives. I mean, this is people will act in their own best interest, um, financial interest. All right. I, did we – I know I missed part of this because my power went out. I apologize. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we covered this or not, so I'm going to throw it back out here as our second question, which is what news story should we be paying attention to? And I'm going to throw it at Juliet. Okay. Um, this is something I came across like a couple days ago. Well, yeah, a couple days ago. Um, so in Pakistan, they've just done a vote of no confidence and ousted their prime minister who, interestingly, he's, like, a famous, like, cricket player. He's similar to Trump in that he had a lot of public support, but the government itself was not happy to have him. He's not a politician. He's an outsider. Um, and so they did a vote of no confidence to oust him, and they only got it by two votes. I mean, they were only two votes over the minimum requirement to get him out. And he is, has been like on a tirade and accusing the United States of regime change and saying that we orchestrated this. Like we colluded against him with his opposition to get him out because we didn't appreciate that he was buddying up to Putin and China. Oh, was that was that his position? He was, mm -hmm. he was well. He was yeah. He was being friendly with countries we didn't want Pakistan to be friendly with. And it's very interesting. Um, there actually, so that happened Saturday that he was ousted, and Saturday night into Sunday, tens of thousands of people were in all the major cities protesting on his behalf. And I mean, the pictures are crazy i mean those, these are huge protests people are very mad about this and i just thought it was interesting like especially the regime change aspect because you know how we get accused of that all of the time and I, but according and, to yeah. jen pasaki it's not the policy of the united states yeah they denied it of course we weren't doing that but <laughs> It's interesting because if we're up to our old tricks and we're, you know, pulling some strings here and there to keep our our friends in their places, it's just, you know, there, there's like a that would be kind of a Cold War thing going on behind the scenes that people don't know is happening. Well, did, first of all, it's that's not a far fetched thing to say by any means, given the United States history. Uh, second of all, did he have any evidence? Does he say like, this is what I think they did? Um, no, his, like, I think it was the, uh, minister of defense or something like somebody in his, uh, administration said why, like in parliament, he was like, why don't we pull the U S ambassador in here on camera and we can ask them what they've been doing. So they seem to they might have evidence he didn't provide any but they were talking very boldly and you their name and name so something's okay. going on there uh 
<laughs> I, someone I guess in chat says, "What's a what's a color revolution here and there among friends?" Um, <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's all good. Um, we're gonna lose our we're gonna lose our uh, marbles over. I think Russia spent tens of thousands of dollars on Facebook ads in 2016, and Ugh. we're gonna lose our marbles because they were influencing our election. But um, but hey. There's a long list of governments that we've, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't find it surprising at all, especially given the, um, I would call it almost a, almost a fetishistic obsession with Putin. Like we seem to have this like, <laughs> okay, yeah, bad guy invaded, uh, Invaded a country. That's the initiation of force. Bad thing. Got it. Poor Ukrainian people suffering. Let's let's help them out. I get all that. Uh, but you can't have any kind of nuance. Anyone who says, hey, why was the U.S. doing X, Y, and Z? And what about all these things? And hey, you know, he's making this point about NATO. Uh, you can't say any of that stuff. So given our <laughs> maniacal focus <laughs> on making him into a demagogue, or turning him into the next Hitler. Uh, it's not at all surprising that we would go around to the world and countries that were leaders are supporting him and we're like, uh-uh, we can't have that. Can we, <laughs> hey, can we strong arm a few people that have to vote and maybe get a no confidence vote? Not sure, right? I mean, imagine if you're some politician in India and the U.S. is like, we would be very grateful, <laughs> wink, wink, if you would vote against this guy. Like, <laughs> I mean, maybe that's all it takes. I don't know. What do you think, Joey? <laughs> yeah, from Che Guevara, from the Cubans' uh, revolution to uh, Argentina, to just about a lot of these countries. Iran, Iran yeah. <laughs> the Arab Spring, um, the, the ability to manufacture regime change is so simple. Um, and to be able to uh, create a bad guy out of a single individual without any work uh, is also very simple. Where you know they, when you have two arguments, right? You have both sides; they're heated debate in the public light, where other people can chime in in defense of or in opposition to a position, and you decide I'm going to win this argument by just silencing this the other side. You're not winning in a, the argument and uh but the public perceives that as a win and then they start jumping on oh obviously this person was right the other person's silent and they're not saying nothing and it's a sad reality that in this day and age we can rip out a person's tongue and consider that a win for the uh for the argument but the truth isn't winning in that situation and we may never know the truth because the tongue has been ripped out of the opposite side of the argument. Yeah, it's it's effective. I mean, look, I mean, you're making me think of right. Just your your metaphor is making me think of the Hunter Biden story, which we've talked about before here. But like, talk about manipulating an elect- election, right? Like, oh, this potentially damning thing that would make people not vote for Biden—that's Russian propaganda and fake news until it's not. But it definitely is fake news and Russian propaganda before the election. Uh, afterwards, <laughs> we can reconsider and maybe take it seriously. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, you could argue they've performed a color revolution in the United States. There's already been a red, white, and blue revolution. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean... (sighs) So, Juliet, since you brought the story up, why does it matter to Americans if we are doing this in Pakistan? Well, first of all, every time we tinker with other people's governments, we tend to cause a huge destabilization of their society because, you know, protests and just all that kind of stuff. So that's dangerous because Pakistan is actually a pretty power player. Um, they do have nukes. Stage. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, and they don't get along with <laughs> India that great either. So, um, so on that end, just, you know, anytime there's unrest, potential for bigger conflict comes out of that. But also it's just, you know, I think I have had to come to terms a lot recently with the fact that we aren't the good guys a lot of the time. We always, we, you know, I think they convince us that we're the good guys and we're just out there spreading democracy and saving people from dictators. But we meddle a lot. And then with, as you see with like Ukraine, you know, give it a couple decades and now there's a war happening and we had a big hand in what led us here. So it just kind of is another example of us getting involved to keep things the way we want it. And, you know, who knows where that leads down the road. But I think it's like kind of important for people to realize. I mean, it was important for me to realize that we're not the good guys a lot of the time. It's kind of we serve our own interests and dress it up like we're spreading democracy. Well, and even then, I think it, it often uh, it, it often we get backlash, right? I mean, um, Max Blumenthal, who is by no means on the right, I think he's he would consider himself on the left. Although now, who knows? I, mean, I can't tell. Maybe now he's a Nazi, um, but uh, he, you know, traditionally on the left, um, you know, he's he's got a really good book called Management of Savagery, where he goes over this. Um, he goes over the history of of the U.S. meddling abroad and the negative consequences that do accrue to the U S eventually, right? Because you build resentment and hatred and um, you, you have, you end up uh, you end up supporting really bad people because you're trying to further some other goal, but then those bad people end up, you know, maybe being Osama bin Laden, for example. Um, (laughs) So uh, yeah, I mean, I think the U S definitely has a history and, and I don't want to blame the U S I'll say the government uh-huh. has a history of meddling in in ways in which uh, I don't think any of it actually benefits the American people. Uh, it might benefit certain careers and advancement and goals that people have, but I don't think it, it benefits us. Um, Judson in, in chat says, I think it's a mistake to ascribe moral agency to any government. Yeah, I... I, I <laughs> Probably, probably agree with that. All right, uh, Joey, is there a story that you think we should be focusing on that we're not, or have we already talked about? I think uh, I think our northern border, um, Canada, right now is uh, has got something percolating. Um, obviously, uh, a few months ago, we saw the the trucker demonstrations there throughout the country, and that really gained a lot of uh, of social uh, awareness to a lot of issues there. Um, we saw a tyrannical dictator. And Justin Trudeau, who just heavy handedly came in and shut this thing down, 
with you know everything from locking bank accounts, refusing access to fundraising, uh, seizing trucks, seizing anything and everything to just uh, humiliate and demoralize the demonstration. But recently, last week or just this week, uh, judges in Canada are ruling that these demonstrations were perfectly legal. Honking a horn, being loud. These are things that are uh, are common in demonstrations these days. And so behind uh, behind the these rulings, though, are life consequences for the truckers who had their you know their source of income seized and their commercial licenses revoked and stuff like that. But you also have the Justin Trudeau who just solidified his dictatorship in Canada and will be you know the prime minister for longer than expected um given given all of the uh political uh support that he's now got within the uh per- basically purchasing the support from publications from other political groups and we have to deal with now the ability to trade with Canada um you know Everything from uh, clothing, parts, uh, food. Uh, there's so much trade every single day. Um, billions of dollars of trade going across the U.S.-Canadian border. And you have a large amount of individuals who are no longer willing to uh, participate in that out of fear of or PTSD from the demonstrations in which now have been declared completely legal, watching a peaceful protest turn into a government, uh, like, brutal beatdown was some of the saddest moments in uh, history. And we can't just run there and scream First Amendment. The Canadian uh, Charter of Rights is uh, substantially different than how we recognize uh, speech here in the United States, um, but these these events are sure to uh, st- affect future trade with the United States, um, given the the, uh, the demographic of those affected there in Canada. Mm-hmm. And so, watching these uh, watching these events unfold, I think are going to be very important, both for an economic standpoint. Here, a lot of trade from Canada that has to go to Mexico has to travel through the U.S. and into Mexico. A lot of trade from the U- uh, Mexico and South America even have to travel through the U.S. to get to Canada. But if, they're, uh, if the truckers and if the, you know, the, the trade personnel are not wanting to risk you know, what they're doing while they have this tyrannical dictator, it, it's, I think it's going to have a, a lasting impact on economy here in the United States that uh, that needs to be watched a little closer than what, you know, what people are seeing. Um, and also uh, part two of that is the, the Hunter Biden story. Uh, we wrote the text messages a while ago. Emails are now leaking. Um, I had uh, read through the text messages and inferred that Hunter was paying um, his niece a lot of well, he was definitely paying his niece a lot of money. There were receipts and stuff like that in the text messages, but there was a inference that we inferred that she had some kind of dirt on him, <laughs> like at fourteen years old, right? And so 
we immediately went and assumed something sexual happened or something like that, but we didn't have any evidence of that at the time that we were making these inferences. There was no images in the text. But now we are seeing the emails that are leaking over like almost 500 gigs or something like that or of emails. And now we see that he had uh, images of his niece that, that no grown adult should ever have in their possession whatsoever. And he's still walking the streets. This man is still yeah. making uh, money selling his watercolor finger paintings. <laughs> <laughs> well, I and, mean, this is a, this is another FBI thing though, right? Because weren't they the ones who like, oops, we lost the drive and it was who, who said, Oh, I made a copy. Was it, who was right. it that made a copy and gave it back to them? Uh, uh, was it revolver? I forget who it was, but the, but they were like, "Oh, we lost the drive," and someone who had been in the chain of custody prior was like, "Don't worry, I copied it before I gave it. To you. <laughs> Here it is." <laughs> um, which is just, uh, I I mean, it, the whole "we lost the drive" is it, it's it, it. These things can be chalked up to coincidence, but except for they keep happening always in the same direction all the time, and it's just. Uh, I get the, all right, you said a lot. I want to let's get back to Canada before we, we yeah. <laughs> move on because um a couple things For, on the financial front, I think you, I think you're bringing up something really important and I, I think it's probably not just Canada. You've had you have you have uh the consequences of the of the freedom rally and then everything you're talking about with respect to Canada. But even just the whole COVID lockdown stuff has really shifted how countries are um interacting with one another and China, I don't know if you know what's going on in China right now, but they are in a – they, like, leveled up their lockdown uh-huh. uh, attitude, and they are – like, they're turning all the major cities into basically concentration camps. I mean, you, it is really, really bad in China right now. And there's not – I mean, I, I assume they're just doing this out of principle or to, to look good, good, good. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure why there's not, it's not like there's a big COVID outbreak. There's probably three people or whatever. And they, you know, they've got the zero COVID tolerance policy. Um, and they've massively changed how they interact with the U S and I know a lot of people are like, well, fuck, fuck China. We don't care. Blah, 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 blah. I'm a Patriot. It's like, well, if you shop at Walmart, that matters to you or, or target or Amazon or basically anywhere that you get most of the stuff that you assume is going to be relatively cheap. It comes from, China or China is involved in some way. Um, so there's that. You add on the, um, you know, you add on the the Canadian thing, and it, it's just we've as as a guy who thinks the the a, a better strategy is uh, economic globalism and military military isolationism. We're doing the reverse, which is like economic isolationism and military globalism uh it just seems like this recipe for a disaster that really is only going to come bite the ass of people in america who are paying super high gas prices and probably going to have uh you'll see the price to a lot of goods just start rising because of this canada thing because of china and a lot of this stuff it takes time for this to for these effects to happen um and in the meantime we're printing a bunch of money which doesn't help either (laughs) so true um and it's unfortunate. Uh, I got a lift the other day for the first time I've ever seen. There's a, do you accept the fuel surcharge for this, uh, 
for this ride, and it's like a dollar fifty fuel surcharge. It is so ridiculous the uh, the amount of impact that all of this is going to have on the daily lives of literally everybody in the United States. And had I, Juliet, and others not even pushed the uh, the story, it was almost a non a non story. Like there was very few people who were even in the United States who were even thinking and uh, and watching this story as it progressed in real time. And we were the ones that uh, that uh, that gained the momentum and the trust of the audience to really understand that this is very impactful. It's not just going to imp- uh, be important all the way up until it's disbanded. There are long-term uh, collateral consequences that affect you and myself and, and our audience in the United States. And we have to watch this guacamole and other stuff is going to raise. And I really like guacamole. <laughs> <sighs> um. All right, this is going to sound like a non sequitur, but it's not because it's based on something that, that you made me think of this, Joey. <laughs> Have either one of you read the Foundation series by Isaac Asimov? No. No. Damn it. All right. I should. Um, <laughs> Write him down. You shouldn't watch the thing. You shouldn't. I think Apple has uh, some. It's horrible. Don't bother. Um, but in the Foundation, it's it's set in the, in the future, and it's one of these epic series that spans like thousands of years it's like okay it's not it's it's a it's a big endeavor um but and this will be a spoiler but i don't care um so (laughs) if anyone wants to close their ears for this spoiler whatever um there is a because because this is what this is what i think this makes me think of democracy when we, we we talk about democracy being separate from tyranny and it's really not um what what separated the U.S. from tyranny was that we tried to put uh, guardrails on democracy. We tried to have a constitution with rules, like you can't vote away someone's Second Amendment right. You're not supposed to be able to, um, right? There's things you can't vote for. You don't get to just you don't get what you vote for all the time. There are rules. There's limits to what you're allowed to even have an opinion on. That gets well, you can have an opinion, but it can't get manifested into law, um, and or at least that was the idea. And when I think of democracy, you know, when I, well, when I think of like old school tyranny, it's kind of like whoever the biggest thug is wins, right? So you get, you know, Genghis Khan, right? Genghis Khan wins. Uh, some large percentage of the population has Genghis Khan genes now as a result because he <laughs> spread his seed and conquered everyone and did his thing. He was a thug, a brute, and he was the biggest thug and the biggest brute and the most effective at being a thug and a brute. And so... You know that's what happened, and and to, and to some extent, you see that in 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 most most of history, <clears throat> the the big bad guy who's the biggest and baddest wins in the local area, um, and we say, oh, that's tyrannical, it's tyranny. True enough, it is. Uh, but we're seeing now a a rise. Democracy is just a different kind of tyranny. Where the the guy who rises to the top is not the guy who's best at being a thug. He's the best at manipulating opinion. Hmm. Um, He's the best at understanding mass psychology. He's the best at being able to mastermind narratives and manipulate public opinion. It's a different skill set, 
But you get the same result if you've got no rails on your democracy and the idea is, well, this is what the people want, therefore it's okay. You will end up with the best manipulator having the power. Um, and that's no different of a tyranny um, than, in fact, it might be worse because sometimes the mob is less predictable um, than a particular guy. And so maybe I won't, I won't go into enough to really spoil the Foundation series, but for those of you in chat or watching who've read Foundation, you'll know what I'm talking about and why this reminds me of it. What is you? What do you? What do you guys think of the U.S.'s long history of spreading democracy and making the focus be democracy rather than individual rights, which is really what matters? Um, well, I mean, that's actually a good point. Is we, I think. They know when they say democracy to the American public, we associate that with just everything we have, you know, freedom and liberty, like all these things. We just kind of we assume we're exporting the same system that we have. Um, and it's a clever way of phrasing it, I guess. But, you know, it's, I, it's, I understand why as like a public opinion we think it's a good thing to do, but different cultures have different rules that they abide by. And some of them really like democracy is probably not the greatest form of government in certain places on earth. Like some of them need a, just a different type of leadership and you can't just hand them this ability and assume it will work. Um, well, look what happened in Libya. I mean, we mentioned right. the Arab Spring before, right? Like, hey, now we have the Muslim Brotherhood. Thanks. Great. Right? <laughs> when you vote, when you don't vote, you get someone horrible like Gaddafi, but at least had some qualities that were keeping things a little bit in check. And when you do vote, you get the Muslim Brotherhood. I'm not sure anyone would say that's better. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> I would say that we don't have in this world a whole bunch of many United States where we have a, you know, the democracy that we see here in the United States, though we've, tr you know, uh, supposedly tried to set up democracy in all of these other countries, nothing has been replicated anywhere else in the United States, identically to what we have here in the United States. Um, and that is either a failure on behalf of our government to establish a similar democracy in these other countries, or it's to Juliet's point, there, the, the, what we have here in the United States is not conceivably possible in other areas of this world. It just isn't going to work. Religion, uh, economics, uh, culture all of these things have to come into play we had a perfect storm that got us our democracy they have a perfect storm that got them their mother's muslim brotherhood or their you know dictatorship in north korea i don't know that it's right for us as the united states to tell any other nation this is how you need to govern because we are doing a shitty job here in the united states governing ourselves and let's get ourselves back to where we need to be, uh, where we are defending our veterans who are homeless, where we are defending our borders, where we are defending our, our people in the United States first. And then let's go give aid or whatever to these other nations. But 
we 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 haven't gotten it right. We we're a practice of democracy that is forever changing day to day. It's not for us, in my opinion, to tell Cuba or Russia or China or North Korea that they have to adapt to what we tell them is our definition of democracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, look, the, the U.S. started out as a it's a constitutional republic, uh, with like we like we talked about, right? With 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 limits on what could be voted for, and it has become more and more of a de facto democracy, even though if it's not on paper, we do mm-hmm. it, it is becoming more and more of a democracy. I mean, it, the Constitution can now mean whatever the judge wants it to mean, and no one seems to care. I mean, stuff that's just blatantly obvious, like you can be forced to buy health care. Like that's, that's like just stuff that's just absolutely ridiculous uh, gets like, Oh, yep. That's constitutional. Um, So the constitution has no limits basically anymore, um, which means we are kind of a de facto democracy. And I, when I look at Putin or Xi Jinping, um, I think that they are hyper aware that, (laughs) Not only are we more of a de facto democracy, but the culture we had 250 years ago, uh, the kind of rugged individualist, freedom-minded, you know, throw the tea in the harbor because of a, what was it, a 4% tax or whatever, like, (laughs) that culture is gone. Mm -hmm. And the culture we have now is the TikTok culture, uh, thanks partly to China, uh, right? That's our culture. We, we make videos about our pronouns and we advertise uh, all of our mental disorders and we elevate the dysfunctional and oppress the rational and functional. And um, I think both Putin and Xi Jinping are look, look at America and they say, well, we just, we just need to wait it out. Mm-hmm. They're going to destroy themselves. This is not this. They're a de facto democracy. And their culture has gone to shit. So it's just a matter of time. We're going to sit on the sidelines. I don't like people that are afraid of China being in a hot war with us or Putin. Like, they don't want to go in a hot war with us. There's no purpose. They can just sit on the sidelines and, and let us devour ourselves. That's all they need to do. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think they I think that they know we're on the downward spiral here. And you're right. They don't have to get involved. They just have to wait. And, um, you know, to Joey's point about the trucker protests in Canada, it, they, they succeeded in doing to Canada what January 6th did to us, that it makes it a lot harder to get, like, people that are right-wing or just freedom-oriented. You don't have to be on the right to, avoid, I mean, to oppose mandates. But it makes you yep. it makes people afraid to get involved in any kind of protest because they see what that crackdown looks like and how people's lives are completely ruined by participating. And then it appears to the rest of the population that there aren't people that oppose it. You know, it sounds like I think a lot of people oppose these things. But well, <laughs> unless you want to protest for Black Lives Matter. So if you got right. angst and you're upset and you want to burn something. The only acceptable outlet is to join a BLM protest. You certainly can't go <laughs> waltz into the Capitol invited by police. That's not okay. Right. 
<laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna read a super chat really quickly. Okay. Uh, um, Silverlock says, as an individualist, I used to love what I thought our country stood for, but unfortunately, our elites have a completely different idea. Individualists don't make great servants. What do you guys think? I think about that all the time. Honestly, the Constitution must be the most annoying thing to the elite class because it gave us way too much freedom, way too many rights. And it's, it makes us so much harder to control. And it's got to just be such a thorn in their side because, you know, it, it really does. It did limit their power, even though they're trying to get around it. They are still limited by just our basic knowledge of the rights that we have. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to, to go to his point, uh, individualist, you know, like there were people in January 6th who were there for their own selfish reasons. They were not there because they believed that uh, there was a constitution at stake. They did not go there for the intent of protest. They went there because they wanted to get the clout of live streaming or whatever the case may be. These are individuals who... Some, in some instances, have some had some influence during the time, and then they stole some of the spotlight from the well-meaning and uh, and legitimate demonstrators, and they hijacked uh, hijacked the purpose of what uh, what was really happening. And then you have individuals like ourselves on this panel and other individuals who were okay and willing to sacrifice, like. People call me names all the time. They attack me. They try to, you know, fabricate stuff about me. And I will take that burden. I will take this, uh, this slander and defamation and these threats and everything else like that. If it means that I uh, continue to seek the truth and continue to publish the truth and continue to try to do so for the greater good of other people and their rights to uh, life, liberty, and happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't be in a position that I am in where I have a large audience that I can influence with anything and use it for selfish reasons. That would be very disturbing for me. And it would hurt me emotionally. It would hurt my heart because I want to share truth, accuracy. I'd rather that truth or accuracy is something that's good for me or bad for me or good for what I believe in or bad for what I believe in. I want the truth out there and I will sacrifice the individual myself to the greater good of making sure that that, uh, that, that truth is out there and that other people have it. And I've lost through censorship. I've lost through, you know, just uh, financially because of all of the drama that comes through, but I'll keep fighting um, because it's not an individual fight. I'm, I can be an individual who, hopefully can induce and invoke uh, policy changes or bring up the conversation in the marketplace of idea and further the, the conversation and hopefully get to the truth. And they're not going to find me uh, to rip my tongue out. They're not going to slow me down. They're not going to uh, stop my progression, but they could if I were a, mother of two and I wanted to speak out at the school board and I get attacked by everybody who's seemingly more powerful. They know the police chief, they know the other members of the council and now I'm silenced and my tongue is ripped out. So I have an obligation as an individual to use what I do to 
uh, to the protection of constitutional, constitutional rights of other people. Um, and that includes the selfish idiots who went into the Capitol for the purposes of live streaming themselves engaged in dumb content, content and, uh, and using that for their own personal narrative. They have that, right? Uh, they have that First Amendment, right? I don't think that many of them were committing crimes, but they weren't there for the right reasons, in my opinion. So uh, selfish motives uh, don't get changes for or affect other people. And it's, a, it's definitely a hard life for most people. And so I've assumed that role and I've taken precautions and everything I do because of that role. And I will continue to move forward without allowing anybody to cut my tongue out. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm a big believer in the truth being ultimately in your self-interest anyway, in your best interest. Like it's, you know, psychologically a lie destroys you um, anyway. And, uh, and look at, you know, we're all here. We're sharing the same earth. I don't always feel like we're sharing the same reality, but uh, we are, <laughs> we are, it just doesn't feel like that. Uh, uh, we're sharing the same earth. We're sharing the, you know, we're all here. And um, the only way that, you know, if we really want to maximize all of our uh, happiness and, um, and help us all to thrive, we need to know what the truth is, good or bad, painful or, or not. We need to know the truth. Um, and sometimes, yeah, you're right. Sometimes the truth hurts, but uh, you know, how do you improve if you don't know the truth? How do you change? Uh, you know, you can't change if you need to change. You can't if you don't know where you are. Uh, so you got everything starts with the truth. Um, Juliet, if you have nothing to add, I want to do <laughs> I, first. Do you have anything to add to that? I don't want to. No, no, okay. you, you covered it. <laughs> um, I we got an interesting. <laughs> I just want to do this for fun, guys. I have no idea what this is going to be. Uh, I, I invited people in chat to suggest a story for us to talk about. And I think I mentioned this to you before at the beginning. Uh, someone suggested three. I'm only going to pull up the first one because I'm not going to go through all three of them. But someone suggested three stories. And I think they're all related. And they are nowhere, anywhere near uh, my radar ever. Um, <laughs> uh, so... I and I just think it's funny. Uh, I am a fan of the X Files, so, uh, and also I like Stargate. So, <laughs> here we go. This is this is what uh, we have. It's suggested that we talk about. I would just just read the story. Egypt displays treasures of recently discovered ancient tombs. Hmm. Uh, this. You know what? I'm sorry. I'm just going to make a comment. I hate that now the world sees that I'm like buying archery equipment lately because <laughs> like, really? I'm like, I'm like three rivers archery. Thanks. All right. Um, thanks Google. I got to turn that off. All right. Uh, Cairo, Egypt has put on display recently discovered well-decorated ancient tombs at a pharaonic necropolis just outside the capital Cairo. The five tombs were unearthed earlier this month and date back to the Old Kingdom, a period spanning roughly around 2700 BC to 2200 BC, as well as the first intermediate period, which lasted over a century after the Old Kingdom collapsed, according to the Ministry of Tourism and Antiquities. I got it. Where's the part where this is super important? Hold on. Mustafa 
Waziri, Secretary General of the Supreme Council of Antiquities, said Egyptian archaeologists started excavating the site in September. The tombs, he said, were senior officials, including regional rulers and palace supervisors. Wait, why is this important? Hold on. The hieroglyphs. <laughs> I'm I mean, it's a cool story. It's cool. I just don't know why it's super important. Yeah, I don't. Okay, well, I don't know why this is super important. I thought it was going to do with like aliens built the pyramids or <laughs> um, something, but I don't. I'm not seeing anything. Uh, I thought there was also something about like pottery that couldn't have been made based on the technology that we think that they had. But I don't yeah. see that here anymore. Oh, sorry. Any comments on Egypt, guys? I love Egypt. The the <laughs> the ancient Egypt uh, archaeology uh, is it's beautiful. It's uh you know from everything from King Tut's tomb to some of the some of the stories and the legacies that come out of that. But how does it affect? It, it, to me, I have to live in today in the modern world and the moment in time that we are in. And so I would love to at one point travel there. Get some uh, get some experience and just look at it as a tourist would, and maybe get some uh, non-tourist uh, style presentation. But uh, I personally have to live in the moment uh, and and w where we are here in the United States. Not to dog on ancient Egypt. I mean, they they're pretty sophisticated culture. Well, the guy who shared this <laughs> says, if you dive into what's on display, it destroys a lot of timelines. That would assume I understand the timelines, though. So I can't, I'm not reading between them. I need someone to dumb it down and be like, "We thought they didn't have microchips, and here's a microchip." Like, oh, okay, that like that. I I get that. That's important. Um, but <sighs> my daughter loves ancient Egypt stuff. It is a fascinating yeah. culture, and they did they did a lot of cool stuff. There was um, I've seen some like engineering mysteries take a long time to solve by modern day engineers to figure out like, Oh, this is how they did it. And it takes, sometimes it takes decades of people thinking about it until some guys like, Oh, I figured out how they did this. Uh, so it is kind of cool. Um, it's kind of cool, but I don't have anything to add to ancient Egypt. Juliet, you have any, any ancient Egypt uh, thoughts? I'm a total history nerd. That was <laughs> one of my minors in college. So I love it all. I took a class on ancient Egypt. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I always think it's cool when we find new stuff. I love it when it messes up what historians have claimed is like hard facts. Like, you know, if it does uh, contradict the timeline, I love that because I think historians are way too uh, firm in their understanding of things that they're just trying to interpret from thousands of years ago. And sometimes they get it wrong and I think they need to be humbled occasionally. Um, yeah. Other than that, I would say, I don't know how many people are aware, but they found new chambers in the great pyramid using LIDAR, oh. which is cool. kind of crazy considering how long people have been <laughs> looking yeah. at that pyramid that they didn't know those chambers were in there but yeah well this guy now says they also found batteries and electric drills i assume not like stanley drills but um <laughs> i mean that's kind of cool right uh it i think it's completely plausible that ancient civilizations knew a little bit about electricity had figured something out um and it just got lost um 
one of the things that makes my heart hurt historically is the burning of the library at Alexandria. Uh, it's just one of those, um, like, I just, when I think about it, I'm just, cause I love human knowledge and, and, mm-hmm. and progress and science and just the, the thought that some, uh, that someone burned that down, uh, and we lost it all. Uh, so yeah, maybe, maybe there was a, maybe there were some books on battery design in there. Who knows? Some, some scrolls <laughs> on battery design and, and how to build a drill, but, uh, Someone says they were Dewalt drills. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> Stan, does Stanley even make drills? Maybe I was thinking of Dewalt when I said Stanley. They make tools, but I don't think I've ever seen a Stanley drill. Anyway, um, guys, any uh, any final thoughts uh, from either one of you? I know we've gone almost two hours. I don't want to keep keep you here much longer. Any final thoughts for our audience? Um. No, I mean, I'm still following the food shortages, food crisis, whatever. Uh, and I post about it randomly. So if you follow me on Gab, you'll get updates as I find crazy information out there. Um, like China is reducing how much ethanol they're going to produce this year because they want to produce more food and less ethanol. Uh, and we are not doing that at all. We're actually hmm. increasing how much ethanol we're going to try to produce. So interesting stuff there, but nothing amazing that I can get into quickly. All right. All right. Well, remind people where they can find you, Juliet. Okay. I'm on Gab, uh, Juliet Truthseeker 8487. And occasionally I'm on the Independence Gang, uh, which is Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, So I post if I'm going to be on there. Cool. And Joey, remind people where they can find you. And do you have any last thoughts as well? Absolutely. Uh, all of my socials, everything uh, is pretty much uh, aggregated at joey.camp. So www.joey.camp. Um, it's all right there. Uh, last thoughts, uh, Juliet, finally good to meet you. Uh, it's totally cool. <laughs> we're, we're always engaging. Uh, Carter, thank you for having me on. Um, much appreciated. I, you know, I enjoyed this conversation and being on this panel. Um, I just want to leave with like telling everybody how awesome they are. Uh, you know, we, we take for granted um, the people that uh, we see in our lives every single day, but they're individual people and they are awesome in their own right. I don't care what their politics are. I don't care what their belief systems are. I want to see them and every single person as the human that they are. And I believe that every human is an amazing person. And so I just want to leave by telling your audience and by telling the audience that I love them. They're amazing people. Keep doing what you do. Just keep making today better than yesterday. Make tomorrow better today. And, you know, just be the best you can be. You're all amazing. What a beautifully optimistic way to end the show, Joey. Thank you very much. (laughs) I will leave it at that. Thank you all for watching. We will see you on Wednesday is Dangerous Thoughts. Uh, I have Mark, Mark Pellegrino on. And I don't know if there's something being released tomorrow. It might be. There might be a 451 being released tomorrow. So um, I don't know. Beverly will put it in chat if there is. Thanks, everyone. And uh, we'll see you. See you then. Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. 
And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server, which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production may corrupt previous psychological programming. If you encounter any of the following individuals, please administer government-issued neurotoxin immediately. I'm not sure what the neurotoxin will do because I am not a biologist. CRT is a complex legal theory that is needed to combat the epidemic of racist babies. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.